Hello, darlings. This is Kirsty coming to you in my inaugural episode of my podcast called Mental Notes from My Minivan. Um, by way of introduction, which hardly seems necessary since I think most people who are listening, if not everybody who is listening, um, will either be directly related to me or a very close friend. Um, but all the same, it seems to be the thing to do. So I'm Kirsty. I live in Ohio with my husband, Aaron, our five excellent kids. And um, from time to time, actually on a daily basis, people will say, I think I detect a hint of an accent and then I am crushed because I think I sound very South African still, but that appears not to be the case. Um, I was born and raised in South Africa. I um, spent the last few years of my youth, if we can say, the last few years of being a teenager in um, Swaziland, which is a awesome African kingdom, which actually borders South Africa. And both places are incredibly magical in their own ways, very different. And if you are inclined to travel in that direction, I highly recommend both of them and could talk about both forever. But that's not why I'm here. Um, let me kick this off by explaining why I named the podcast what I did. First of all, um, why the minivan? Well, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to understand why a mom who has five kids and lives in a small house um, is going to need a place like a minivan to do something like record a podcast um, on her cell phone, <laughs> which is what is going on right now. Um, this episode is probably what I'm using the working title for. Um, just get the bloody thing done is, is the name of this episode because I've wanted to do a podcast for a long, long time. And I think with people who have been burdened with the affliction of procrastination, chronic procrastination, it's not so much um, a matter of being disorganized or being lazy or unmotivated because um, I'm not sure how much organization a podcast takes. So far it appears that you just have to push a button and then it starts recording and that's your podcast. <laughs> so it depends, I'm sure, largely on what you're trying to accomplish. But I'm certainly not lazy about it because it's not taking a huge amount, like I said, of organizational effort. And it's something I really want to do. So the motivation is there. What I think happens to us is that um, most of us are procrastinators in terms of things that we really want to do and we and are clearly within you know the realms of possibility is that we kind of put it off because we're perfectionists and um, I do that a lot and so maybe I guess why I'm I'm telling you all this is because the Sinogra episode being working title just get the bloody thing done is about me just sort of working through getting something I wanted to do done and not worrying too much about all the reasons I shouldn't. And I think we we tend to procrastinate also, you know, the procrastination comes from perfectionism, which, and perfectionism itself is um, all rooted in all kinds of junk like um, 
fear of rejection and sense of unworthiness and all those yuck things. And when you really sort of take the mom voice to them, I call it the mom voice, when you're like, okay, look now, <laughs> let's be rational about this. And you say, honestly, what's the problem here? Why aren't we just doing this thing and talking into the cell phone already and getting this bloody thing done? Um, I might say, well, it's just that I feel like I should research more or listen to a, a lot more podcasts. And then the mom can say, well, what do you want to research? Because I thought that you were going to talk about your experiences, um, tell some sort of hopefully amusing anecdotes from your life or, you know, stuff you've observed and try to help people just sort of feel more understood and feel less alone or be able to help them to help others feel less alone in their adventures through all sorts of things that I would like to discuss, specifically um, PTSD, um, some of the other things people seemed interested in when I when I did my highly scientific um, uh, polling as to what the, you know, the, the format of the podcast should be or the information that I convey. And that was people wanted to hear a lot about um, my experiences with being in the Mormon church and leaving it, which are very, um, you know, there's a lot of positive and there's a lot of complexity in that, which is very, I think it's actually interesting to unpack and I don't think it's talked about a lot and, and it's necessary and, inf you know, I think information is good in general. When it affects a lot of people, I think it's a good thing that we all sort of use a hive mind and share what we know in as honest and forthright and transparent um, but also open-hearted way as possible. So I think I've come to the place on a few of those things where I'm ready to talk in an in a open-hearted and um, just really honest way without being, um, you know, hung up on on representing my myself in any particular light or representing any organization or anything else in any particular light. I just think honesty is the best policy here. Um, all right, that part's going to definitely have to be edited out because it is way, way too um, rambly. But I have resolved to get the bloody thing done and get the bloody thing done. I will today. Um what else? Okay, so back to the minivan. So you want to be in a quiet space. How did I get from there to back here? I mean, how did that happen? That's going to be intriguing to see. Um, look, we are in mid-April now, or close to it, and um, it's cold. It's cold here in Ohio, and that's not unusual for Ohio in April. However, let me tell you that everybody in Ohio is pretty sort of um, stoic about the thing. They are, they just dig in and do winter like champs. Most of them, not me. I tend to go kicking and screaming into most things, but even I have been fairly stoic the last few years because after a while you just give up. But 
I, I, it always strikes me as so amusing that we hit a point, and it's generally in March or April, where everybody is fully outraged, just outraged by the weather. And it's so funny because it's, it's probably always around the same temperature and always something revolting happens in April, like a gigantic ice storm or a huge, you know, blizzard or something. And, um, you know, we act as though this is, you know, this is clearly a sign of the apocalypse and we just cannot anymore. And I remember, in fact, vividly carrying in one of the fallen soldiers of my freshly, beautifully blooming daffodils, which have finally shown some color in the tundra. It is gray and flat here, folks. It's not winning prizes for any kind of... um you know, pictorial quality here, not picturesque, not good here in Northwest Ohio in the winter, just not the prettiest place. However, um, once spring comes and those flowers bloom, you can, you know, quickly forgive the place because it's, they're quite lovely. But of course, April did its heinous, unstable thing and just as everything opened, came in with this gigantic ice storm. Um, and I took my fallen flower inside, which was encased, fully encased. I still have a picture of it <laughs> in ice. It's actually quite an amazing sight to see, you know, just beautifully. Ice storms um, are fairly phenomenal and interesting things to see. But anyway, I posted that picture on Facebook. As you know, I shook my fist angrily at the sky and vowed to avenge my daffodil and all those that fell alongside of it by moving me and my entire family to South Africa. This would be, this is it, final straw. I'm doing it now. I've had it. And um, we did. By that fall, I had packed up my entire family and we were out um, with no real other plan. We had family <laughs> we had family putting us up and the kids were in school but my husband had not found a job and um, shockingly enough that plan did not work out. Um, this tells you a lot about what you may need to know about me. Um, not really. It wasn't quite as flippant and rash a decision as I'm I'm making it out to be but it was a very very major one and it was a big deal and I had always wanted to go back to South Africa it had been um, a long time dream for my children to be raised in you know a sunny place and to have the same sort of experiences I did as a child and I think on a much deeper subconscious level I realized that I had a lot of un unfinished business there having left semi-suddenly as a teen, um, always planned to come back and had not come back. And I really, you know, I just wasn't done with the place and I had a lot of other things that I, I needed to sort out. So um, that was an adventure. And I know this is still linked to why I sit in my minivan, but it's warm in there. I have seat warmers. It's often parked in the sun and it's, you know, quiet and cozy and nobody can um, steal the snacks or ask for the snacks. And at first, you know, people used to drive past and be 
are you okay? You know, my friends would sort of slow down and check me out and wonder what was going on. And now it's just understood around town um, about Kirsty and the fact that she spends a good deal of time um, out in the minivan, feet on the dashboard, eating. So, you know, if I can, you know, use that time slightly more productively, that would also be great. Um, so skipping back to the South African thing, because this is how I do things. I skip around. So if it's not your cup of tea, if you like a, a, a real seamless progression that makes a lot of sense in a conversation or in a podcast, um, I'm not sure that I can promise that. We might be able to work it out in the editing, but this is how I roll. Um, back to the South Africa thing. When I came back from South Africa, um, a lot of things had sort of percolated to the surface and I understood or I was led soon to understand after a total breakdown um, that the depression I'd been fighting since childhood really um, and really fighting with everything I had and working really hard on was in fact PTSD and that certain things did need to sort of be resolved. I needed to understand um, more clearly what the triggers to that were and um, you know, come to grips with the trauma of my childhood and that sort of thing. And I have been doing that since. I really leapt into that with a lot of enthusiasm because if you hear that you um, might be able to be happy um, on a consistent basis and that, you know, you're going to be able to learn to understand why some days you wake up happy and then some days you wake up feeling really awful. Some days out of nowhere you start to feel real awful. Um, and it doesn't appear that you have you know, a bipolar disorder or anything like that. But there is a root to it and it can be worked on and you could understand yourself better and be better at everything you do, including you know, your relationships. That's exciting news. Um, PTSD um, recovery is long and complicated and um, draining and exciting and fascinating. Um, I've found it fascinating, which I think has been a saving grace um, and also just a motivator for me to really stick to it. Um, but it's definitely something that needs a ton of support. And I have been very fortunate in getting that support. Um, but I understand and I am so sad to realize that I am somewhat of an anomaly in that case just because I don't believe most people get anywhere close to the amount of support or help um, or even time and space to work through a PTSD recovery as I've had and so I'm trying to help in my small way to just sort of show up with the nuggets that I've that I've gleaned along the way um, to just give people when I am not in a valley and I am back on the other side of the valley when I've crawled outside of those valleys to give people sort of a perspective of you know what it's awful and it does keep coming along even though we wished it would be a one and done thing to get you know I'm fixed now um, but the valleys do I can really attest to the fact that they do tend to get shallower and further apart and that is good news and while it seems like an eternity that I've actively been working on um, my PTSD recovery it's 
it really isn't in the scope of, you know, the length of my life, the length of the trauma. Um, and with the right kind of help, you can make remarkable strides and you can really start to live a much better life in between um, episodes. And then those episodes do space out. And then I'm told ultimately you can be, you know, you can be free from them. So there's a lot of hope that I have to share. Not always, um, not when I'm in the sort of the midst of fighting it. Um, but when I come out, there's always something new that I bring with me. And it's, ugh, dare I say worth it? I don't know if I dare say it because it's really yuck. You know, if you have it, you know, if you have somebody else, you love somebody else who has it, you know, um, but it is who I am and it's part of me and it's, and it's something that's helping me grow. So, um, <clears throat> Why, uh, why this, you know, why else am I compelled to share in such a public way? Um, or rather to become a therapist or what have you. Um, I am just by nature and by nurture and by soul, a writer. I've always been a writer. Um, I've always had aspirations to make something of myself through writing. Um, when let's go back to so the social media element when social media st first started um for me i mean it started i'm sure before i discovered it as narcissistic as that might sound and i am hoping quite a few years otherwise that would make me seem um incredibly old because i think it's didn't some guy start it? what's his name that vice president inconvenient truth Okay, well, anyway, in the early days of social media, shall we get to that? In the early days of social media, there were, um, I think it existed largely in the form of chat rooms. All that I know is that when I was first pregnant as a very young mom, um, my husband and I were going to college and... I was young and excited, but really naive, and I just couldn't get enough information about being pregnant and being a mom. I was away from my own mother. I was away from any family or any kind of support group. So um, I hustled over to the internet where I found this group of women who had were having babies at the same time as me. And of course, we obsessed over every single little thing from, you know, the two lines on the uh, that pea stick thing. Um, to, you know, how dark were they and were they really, was it, was it indeed pregnant or not pregnant? You know, those shenanigans can take up days and weeks of your life. <laughs> and then, um, you get, you know, the, you get further on in the pregnancy and then just every little thing is just, you know, fodder for very, very serious group discussion. And then, of course, the baby is born and everybody has an opinion on that and they're sharing. And in many ways, these groups were a lifesaver to me because I, you know, I couldn't really contact home. It was very expensive. And so when I did talk to my mom, it wasn't the sort of casual like, hey, so what's up with this diaper? What's going on in this thing? Um, it was more of an update in general. So I could go to my girls or I would say I will consult the board, the, the July 1998 or the July 2000 board. I would consult them and they would give me all the answers I needed. And um, that became, the format of that was kind of essay, 
um, style because there wasn't a word limit. And of course, as you can tell, I'm super verbose. And so that really suited me. So I would write essays about literally everything I needed to say or ask or anything that came to mind. And people had nothing else to do online at that time. So they would read them. And it was fantastic. I really miss those days. (laughs) Because now I have to edit myself, which is such a pain. I don't like it. Um, And I'm always having people tell me too long didn't read on my Instagram posts. And okay, those people are my children and their friends. But um, Facebook posts are always like, these mammoth, ridiculously lengthy, wordy things. Um, But I'm a verbose kind of person. I'm not a woman of few words, and I'm not going to apologize for it. So um, those essays, back to those essays. Once I decided um, to update the board ladies on the recent trauma I had experienced when my son Gabe had become locked in the bathroom. He was about 18 months at the time, and um, I had a newborn um, baby sister for him who had to be um, detached from my breast for probably the first time in her life while I sought to free him. And um, she, of course, was not pleased at all by that. And then he had an older brother who was around three, who was an uh, above average, diligent, and responsible child slightly neurotic and it was incredibly concerned over the fact that his little brother was trapped in the bathroom and his mother did not seem to be making ends towards um any means of his escape you know as frantic as mother seemed nothing seemed to be going down so he took it upon himself to call um my husband who was also racing so we're having this screamed conversation on speakerphone um everybody's crying in the background except for Gabe who's totally chill um he would just be like okay you know whatever I told him he was cool until until such a time um Gabe Gabe reached his his point um when things weren't um optimal when I started flicking Ritz crackers under the door now to me a Ritz cracker can solve a lot of ills. You know, if you're hungry, there's a Ritz cracker. Oh, yum, you know, particularly with a nice piece of cheese. But if you're upset about something, why not just cram a ton of Ritz crackers, you know? And, you know, a whole sleeve seemed perfectly reasonable to start sliding under the door in these circumstances, just, you know, so that he could know I loved him and that if he needed a little snack, there it was. Um, he did not take kindly to it. I think that he misunderstood my intentions and he believed that I was trying to feed him permanently. Like this was how he was going to live and be nourished from now on with whatever I could slide under the door. So then his little pudgy foot started stomping and he joined the general chorus of, um, you know, the wails of dismay. And it was quite a thing. Anyway, um, I did notice, by the way, that when we finally freed him with the help of, you know, the hero daddy with the leather man tool, it was all very embittering because he would, he raced out the door and, and, you know, fell into hero daddy's arms when I had tried 
everything, all the MacGyvering this mom could come up with had been like put into that door lock. But anyway, no gratitude for the Ritz crackers. But he did, in, he did have one bite taken out of each of them. So that just goes to show, you know, he was mad, but he wasn't that mad. <laughs> anyway, so that story um, caught the imagination of somebody, I guess, and, and it went semi-viral. Well, as viral as things can go in those days. And it led me to have a job called, um, gosh, I can't even remember what my column was called, but I did have a paid monthly column where I was to write about the um, the humorous side of motherhood, which I've always found really easy to access. It's just, it's just so much funny fodder to, to raise several small people. It's craziness all the time. I mean, the ridiculousness is, is just off the charts. And so, you know, there's a lot to laugh about. There's also a lot to cry about. But as um, I later tagged the blog, that was born off of that, um, that column. Um, if you don't laugh, you'll cry and nobody likes a cry baby. And so it just seemed a very natural fit that I continued with this blog for several years. I named it Momedy because mom and comedy, it seemed clever. It seemed accurate. It was cool. Everything went fabulously with that for quite some time. I started getting some real sponsors and, um, it looked like that was going to be sort of my thing, um, my way to have it all by having, you know, a paying blog and also be able to stay home to raise my kids, which was something that was really important to me. And then somebody decided they also liked the name Momedy, but particularly my Google rankings or whatever. And she um, took um, the name and trademarked it um, which I had naively not even thought to do. And then she informed me of that, um, just two days after it was too late for me to contest it. And that was all kind of a mess and took the wind well out of my sails. Um, it wasn't this time in my life because at this time of my life, I would have said, Oh, come on, come at me, bro. There's no way. Come at me, sis. There's no way I'm stopping doing what I'm doing. You're really reaching right now. But at the time, it, it really, I just sort of dropped all my advertising, freaked out, really went quiet for a while, and then sort of emerged um, more in terms of a family diary, journal, lots of pictures. Um, but it evolved as the kids got older into, and you know, needed more privacy and were doing fewer ridiculous things, frankly, um, where I was talking mostly about my struggles with, with depression, mental health, or just my observations about life and as, as a woman, you know, how to make things easier, how I'd found ways to make my life easier to feel better about myself. All the while, not, not, not really knowing what was wrong with me, thinking I had uh, kind of garden variety generalized depression and um, never really being able to get to the root of it but I really enjoyed that form but when things really sort of escalated and I had a lot 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 to work through going um, going on in my life after returning from our short-lived um, relocation to South Africa um, 
when I was definitely um, at a place where I had left the church, um, the Mormon church, the LDS church, which I had been born and raised in, and my whole family were members of both um, my siblings and parents, my husband, my children were very invested. Um, most of my community, um, most of my close friends, um, my entire support system, since we had no family here, my husband's entire family, um, it was a lot. And at the same time, also recognizing the root of um, my PTSD and the childhood abuse that I had experienced and having to deal with um, the uh, repercussions and fallout of revealing that to the people involved and um, or peripherally involved, should I say, and just, you know, everything, the landscape of my life looking very different. Being able to record it became hugely um, just important for me, but also very cumbersome. And also I had to think very, very carefully about when I was ready for each phase to sort of... Um, hit public scrutiny and so that blog has been a very hit and miss affair throughout um this whole um should i i i guess i sh i could refer to it as dismantling process of really dismantling who i was and who i thought i was and putting myself back together as who i am and who i really am and who i've become and just a whole bunch of things so podcasting seemed like a much more accessible way to do all of these things to combine my love of writing because I really do speak the way I write I'm a very sort of narrative style writer I just you know this is the what you're going to read if people hear me they say oh you sound just like your Facebook posts and I'm like because uh, it's the same person and then I realize well, I suppose people do have different writing styles and not everybody is the same in their conversational style as they are in their writing style. But that is not true of me. I'm very much, I'm very similar, I believe. And it, and it does, um, it does fulfill that same creative drive um, t to a large extent. Also, podcasts are more accessible for more people to listen to and um, then huge blocks of text which I am wont to drop <laughs> so if you can be cleaning your toilet or driving to Costco or um, or you know on a plane to Hawaii and listening to you know a podcast I, I'd say you're much more likely to do that than to settle in with some crazy woman's rantings um, or meandering blog we shall see, I guess. Um, so that's where I'm coming from. I also have a little background in various types of radio. I started in my college radio, which was um, a public radio forum. Um, I actually really enjoyed that. Um, it was an interesting and, and fun time, and I met one of my, my dearest friends, who I'm still friends with to this day, um, I was then lured to do uh, top 40 DJing, which um, was also fun and very different. And and um, I don't know, I wouldn't say I would prefer one over the other. 
But I will say that at one point I was broadcasting baseball games, which was unenjoyable because I do not understand baseball. And thankfully, I had a really devoted, a committed husband who would come with me and, <laughs> and give me hints because I was alone at this radio station on the weekends, just trying to figure out what to say, when and when to plug in commercials. And it was a nightmare. And did you know that baseball is so long? so long I still haven't figured out what is up with baseball um, I've been to one game now and it was enjoyable but that was probably due to the beer and the um, hot dog and you know nice sunny afternoon maybe that's what baseball is all about I don't know please don't hate me I know this is an American and I'm now a citizen I, I don't know if this is like grounds for deportation but I just don't get it but more power to you if you do. That's the one form of radio I was not enjoying. But um, so I doubt I'm ever going to go back to that. What you can expect from this in the future, hopefully I'm just going to get better. I know that was true for both radio formats. Started off where I was kind of atrocious at it and then I got fairly good. And I believe that's true of almost anything we dedicate any kind of time to. So I'm hoping that the podcast gets better, um, that I speak to things that you are truly interested in, that we can laugh together. I particularly want to be able to laugh a few times at myself, if necessary, during the podcast, which is why um, I want to talk about what you're interested in and also invite other people to chat with me on the podcast about things that you guys are interested in. Um, the A lot of people have, have expressed interest in, in more in the whole Mormon journey. Um, a lot of people want to understand more about PTSD, mental health in general. Um, being proactive with mental health is something I don't think we know enough about. Um, being supportive of mental health in all ages of our family members of our friends of our co-workers and our community members has become more of a hot topic lately and that is could not be better news to me I think that's desperately needed um, um, but we can honestly talk about anything and or I can honestly talk about anything and it, whatever interests you and I have anything, um, any kind of pearls or information or opinions to offer on it, we, we can go there. Um, other things you should know is that have a bit of, have a bit of a sort of, I fly fairly loose with, um, what a swear word may or may not be. I'll try my best to stay away from the words that people seem to find really offensive. Because I remember a time when I guess those words were shocking to me too. And so, you know, we'll we'll try to do that. Unless it just feels entirely disingenuous and I'm really up in something and it comes flying out then, you know. I hope you can roll with that, but we'll, you know, we'll try to keep this generally P-rated, PG, is that what it is? I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to promise anything, but I'm aware, and just so you know, you know, like, brace yourself, because these things, you just don't know, you just don't know when they're going to come flying out. Um, 
what else what else what else I think that's about all I'm almost sure we're going to have some serious editing to do so I'm going to end this here um, so that we can get to that but I'm feeling I have to tell you that I am feeling such a huge sense of accomplishment for just doing the bloody thing for finally not starting saying three words listening to the three words going no laughing hysterically when I hear the three words going oh my gosh no trying to say something differently and just doing the bloody thing um because ultimately this is not about me doing something perfectly or presenting myself in a way that you think that I'm very cool um this is truly if I want to do what I think I want to do it's truly just about helping people to have a bit of an easier go at this thing we call life if I can quote the great prince um because life can be just hard man and if you can find any information that makes yours easier or if you can just recognize that you're not alone in it I mean look misery does love companies and it's not because we're terrible people it's just it's awful to feel isolated in your suffering or to feel like you're the only one it's just a bad feeling and we've all had it and I'd like to be a participant in making people feel that just a little bit less if I can so um, hopefully I'm going to hit that mark more and more thank you so much for tuning in that that is touching to me. I know there are five zillion things you can do with your time and five million people or more, most certainly, probably, I don't know numbers, more that you could listen to in the form of a podcast, but you chose me. So if you're married to me, thank you, because I'm sure you hear enough of me. And if you're my child, thank you even more. That was cool of you. And if you're my friend, I love you guys. (laughs) You're the best. And if you're none of those things, well then, I feel like I should bake for you or something because that was special and I appreciate it. And I very much hope you'll be back because I think we could have a cool community um, when people sort of join in a way where they're not um, trying to be anything that they're not, when we're just really open and honest and good-hearted about things and we try to laugh. I just don't think you can really lose. So join me next time. And thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye.